Welcome to Word First Radio, the podcast of Word First Ministries. Tune in each week and join us as we pursue God's command to make disciples of all nations. What is up, you guys? Welcome to Word First Radio, the podcast brought to you by Word First Ministries. I am your host, Jacob O'Neill. And as always, I'm joined by my friends, Cameron and Bailey. Hey. Hey. Bailey, pray us in, man. Of course. God Almighty, we come to you today um, just asking again that you would show us how um, we can communicate your goodness, your kindness, your love to the world um, in ways beyond our words. Um, So for us and every single Christian listening, help us to see how um, with our actions and with our participation in um, physical and worldly activities, how we can uh, represent and reflect you to them in a way that makes sense to their eyes and ears. Lord, we love you. We dedicate this time to you in your name. Amen. 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 Thank you, man. Mm-hmm. So last week we had what I thought was a really good conversation yeah. mm-hmm. about um, a, a perception or a stereotype, if you will, about um, the way that Christians approach social issues. And mm-hmm. that's generally that Christians are pretty apathetic about mm-hmm. social issues. You know, whenever mm-hmm. a big tragedy happens, you just post thoughts and prayers, mm-hmm. um, but you don't really do anything to uh, impact uh, society in a positive way. Yeah. All you care about is making people think the way you do and mm. shoving your religion down people's throats. Yeah. Um, which is something that I've had personally said to me and something mm. I see on social media all of the time, especially mm. in, uh, in light of recent, um, very serious, uh, events that have right. uh, transpired in the country we come from and also pressing social issues that exist in the community we are now. Mm-hmm. Mm. So with all that, being said, and with everything being said in the last episode, there's kind of a concept that was introduced to us at HLT, which is mm. the seminary me and Bailey attend, um, as well as the rest of the team besides Cam and his family. Yeah, um, He already went to seminary, mm. actually. Yeah, yes, he is our resident seminarian. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this concept that was introduced to us uh, from a book called Kingdom Ethics Um can you introduce that concept mm-hmm. for us real quick, Bailey? Because there's a lot I want to say about the whole idea of that book and mm-hmm. the kingdom of God being a reality for here and now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how about you just kind of define it and also please introduce, uh, well, first just define it and then we'll talk about the marks of the kingdom mm. in a second. So go ahead, just what is yeah. what is kingdom ethics all about, Bailey? Luckily, I have it written down. Boom, okay, uh, here Excellent. it is. So kingdom ethics is looking at mission, church planning, and evangelism with the understanding that the kingdom of God is for this world, not just the coming world. A kingdom or community um, or that, yeah, so a missional community or a, um, a church ought to be a community that identifies with and seeks for right now these things, deliverance, peace, justice, healing, restoration of the community, the presence of God, and joy. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah, I think that's that's the episode, yeah. guys. Yeah. And I know there is a ton that you like have to say about that because we had uh, one of our assignments was a like, the teacher asked us to do just 500 words on one of the chapters from this book. Mm-hmm. We only and, had 500 mm, words, yeah. which and is that insane. Was Jacob's response. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jacob's like, 
you're only giving me 500 words? Like, I want to write a yeah. full essay right now. And it wasn't even, <laughs> it wasn't for a grade or anything. He just wanted to yeah. let his colors fly. Like the mm. second time I met Cam, I was complaining I had 500 words to write. And mm-hmm. he was like, you had 500 words to write? That's a page and a half. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, Cam, I only yeah. have 500 mm-hmm. words to write for this yeah. thing. So that was when I was a young man. But mm-hmm. um, so... Uh, kingdom ethics, uh, looking at this kind of idea that the kingdom of God is for here and now. Yeah. It, it's kind of hard to say that without sounding all new agey it, yeah. to me. Yeah. Well, the <laughs> yeah. point is not that we can transform earth into heaven. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think there are some believers who think that's what's happening. That definitely isn't what ha- was happening. The fullness of the kingdom will come with judgment and recreation of the universe. Mm-hmm. But for now, Christians, we have the equipment and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in order to make enclaves, outposts, colonies mm. of heaven on earth. And yeah. we can make we can make the world more like heaven will be. More like like what is the definition of heaven or like what is it what is its essence mm-hmm. is it's God's family ruled by God forever. Mm-hmm. And we can make earth more like that. We can make this world more like that. Yeah. 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 And um I love like you hinted at it there uh, outpost mm-hmm. is like a analogy or whatever that you use mm-hmm. often um, but just like that the world ought to see Christian communities mm-hmm. as like a unique so like Christians themselves should definitely be living uniquely Christian lives mm-hmm. that like look strange and weird to the world um, and um, are inviting and yeah. the world like wants to get more like know mm-hmm. where our source of this strangeness um is and then the like christian communities ought to be like outposts so i think of like the orchard mm-hmm. most of our listeners know exactly what the orchard is and what it feels like to walk on campus mm-hmm. at the orchard and it feels like an outpost of heaven yeah like you walk there and people love each other way mm-hmm. more than people do like outside of that outpost. Yeah. People just seem to love and care about each other and everyone wants to give you a free donut and all this different stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So I think just like, I don't know, that comes to yeah. mind when I think of an no. outpost. Well, that really all speaks to like, when you think about uh, when Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the dead, um, the prescription, uh, the biblical uh, mandate is now everyone is called to repent mm-hmm. and put faith in him. Mm-hmm. Why is it that when I do that, or mm-hmm. when someone does that, we don't just get zapped into heaven right, right. now. We don't yeah. just get teleported into heaven. I think that um, the real biblical answer is that God has purposes and plans mm-hmm. for his church mm-hmm. in this world, right. not just the next one. So um, kind of a lot of what we talked about on um, the last episode mm-hmm. um, will tie into this next sentence here. Uh, it, the purpose of... Uh, engaging in social action and uh, positively impacting the community. Um, I can't think of, uh, I can't even um, count the number of times I've said that in the, you know, in mm-hmm. the last episode and now um, is not for its own sake, mm-hmm. but for to glorify God and to get people saved. And so where I'm going with this is that God actually, he really does care about uh, the way that we learn and grow and help people in this life now mm-hmm. Uh, and being these little outposts of heaven, the church is the vehicle for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we have work to do. Mm-hmm. We've got growing to do yeah. and we've got restoration and work to do. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think the orchard is a really great example. I really mm-hmm. like uh, home church as well. The church mm-hmm. that we're currently in, like the way that Norwegian churches, not just 
home church, but the Norwegian churches we've been to especially mm-hmm. feel like a family, yeah. like especially mm-hmm. before and after service, before, mm-hmm. during, and after service. After uh, almost every church service we've been to here, mm-hmm. we've had dinner t- or lunch together yeah. Yeah, on Sunday mornings. I think that that's uh, essential aspects mm-hmm. to like kind of what we're talking about as like a community and a kingdom that cares about uh, each other, not mm-hmm. just for accountability and discipleship, which has really been the meat of what we've been talking about as far as missional community is concerned in our church planning vision on past episodes. Mm -hmm. But that's also the tool to reach the community as well, Mm -hmm. to go out and impact social action. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I love that. Were there any thoughts, uh, any more thoughts we had on what a kingdom mindset, king ethics looks like in general? I mean, I I think we we have lots of thoughts, but I I like... So Paul calls us ambassadors, mm, mm. and I love that picture. So we live in a foreign place now, right? It's different from the place that we've all lived. And here in Oslo, we have an American embassy. Mm. And what that means is it's it, it's an outpost. It's an outpost <laughs> of the United States in Oslo, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're once you cross the gates of the embassy, you're on it's considered American soil, and you have all of the rights mm. and privileges that appertain to you being uh, an American citizen while you're within the confines of that of that embassy mm-hmm. right and so uh, so I love that uh, I love that picture like so so th- what surrounds the embassy is not the United States but when you're there that that's the that like that's the United <laughs> I was stupid <laughs> yes. I could have explained it in you're 10 in seconds. America when you're at the you're embassy. in America you're in America yeah. when you're at the embassy and mm-hmm. so we'll extend that metaphor a little bit further I was watching a documentary with Whitney some time ago about people who are fleeing from North Korea. Mm. And what they do is they would flee from North Korea into China and people would hide them in China. They, they had, um, uh, people would help them in these crazy secret underground networks. And then they'd spend some time, um, becoming nourished, right? Because most of the people in North Korea are malnourished. So they put on some weight, they get healthy, they blah, blah, blah. So they don't look, they don't look obviously like refugees from North Korea. And then the strategy was go to the Japanese embassy. So you're in China, and China is uh, an ally of North Korea. So if the Chinese catch you, they're sending you back to North Korea and stuff's not good there. But the strategy was get to the Japanese embassy because there you have certain – because that's different than the world around it. There you have certain rights. They will not send you back – they will not send you back to the torturous place you were at or whatever. Like – that's what a picture of an embassy is. We have is a small slice of Japan where when you're there, you have certain rights and privileges um, for people as, Jap- as, as Japan sees fit, right? Not, not according to the Japanese yeah. rules. So, okay, so now let's not torture the metaphor. Let's talk yes. about it in real terms. And that is that our, our Christian communities should be ruled and governed by the laws of Jesus, not the rules, mm-hmm. uh, the rules, you, you know what I mean when I say that, but the rules and laws of the human government that we're yeah. that we're under that mm-hmm. those are superseded by the ethics of God, not by the constructs of humanity in the place where you're at. So when Jesus says we're a shining city on a hill, it's like mm-hmm. that's the place where people want to go for refuge. That's where people know that there's truth and life and light and vitality and goodness and healing and mercy and grace and on mm-hmm. and love, joy, peace, patience, all the rest, right? Yeah. Like that <laughs> that's where I go. And once I'm past once I'm through the gates of that thing, once I'm inside of Christian community, then we should let the love of Jesus and the kingdom ethic, like the rules of heaven reign there. That mm-hmm. means in our own lives and that means um in the lives of people who are refugees there, right? People who have mm. who are endeavoring to leave the awfulness of the world 
in exchange for a heavenly kingdom. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on that in particular? Um, I have thoughts that would change the subject entirely. So <laughs> yeah, we'll dive into that more. Though. Well, here's one of the uh, the contrasts I will uh, I will give to the metaphor. Mm-hmm. So it kind of breaks the metaphor a little bit, which yeah. is the uh, which is the point. Um, uh, the the church is not uh, merely. And I know you didn't suggest this, but yeah. I, I want to add this layer to it because mm-hmm. I think it's relevant to the topic. Um, it's not merely just a passive outpost that like, all right, anybody who runs here mm. is going to be safe. Yeah. It's also like an active, like moving military yes. force. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, so it's expanding. Or it expands, an expanding yeah. Kingdom, mm-hmm. right? And so Jesus is like, you're the salt and light of the world. Mm-hmm. It's not just that, well, people can go to you and get salt. Like, right. no, no, no. You have to pour the salt. Mm-hmm. You have to go give the yes. salt out into the world. And so I love, um, I love that concept that, so there is a concept that I talk about like in evangelism and uh, that I've talked about on the podcast before about the difference between being with God and just merely going to heaven. Yeah. So you can, and I want to get your thoughts on this too, because you have a, a lot to say about mm. the phrase when people say, uh, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so there is a way I think Christians can get caught up in looking at their ministry on earth and their relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. about like, well, what's Christianity about? Christianity is about me. I get to go to heaven when I die and not go to a place mm. called hell. Right. Right. And I think that that is a distraction mm. mm-hmm. is the nicest term I could put it in. And mm-hmm. I, I, I am the chief among sinners when it comes to this. Um, but if you think, I'll say me, if I think that my Christian faith and my relationship with Jesus is only about what happens after I die mm-hmm. or that I, I get to go to the good place instead of the bad place. Mm-hmm. And that in turn makes me, I think that's one of the things that could make me apathetic to this world yeah. and making this world good. Sure. Um, and so I, I, I think that's a really good correction for that. It's like, Hey, listen, the people who you've said, the people who are the most heavenly minded, mm. people who understand that God's kingdom, in fact, Jesus begins his gospel ministry with mm-hmm. repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yep. Not repent so you can go to the good place when you die. Right. Mm. Repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mm-hmm. It is coming here now. Mm. Um, so the people who are the most heavenly minded should be the most earthly good in yeah, theory. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on like when people say that phrase? Yeah. So I hadn't thought of it that way until it was, uh, one of my professors, Clay Jones. Yeah. My boy, Clay. I hope you're listening to this, Clay. Yeah. Or maybe not. Maybe we've I'm, mentioned him a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's an excellent, uh, an excellent guy. I've got a lot of good things to say, but I won't say them all now. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was the first one who have heard say that because it's, it's a phrase that's fallen out of fashion, but we've heard it, right? So-and-so is so heavenly minded that he's no earthly good. And Clay just said, that person doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as that person. And his point was, the more heavenly minded you are, the more the the better you are on earth, right? Mm-hmm. The better you're so heavenly minded, no earthly good. No, no, no. The more heavenly minded you are, the more earthly good you are. And the idea is this. To be heavenly minded, to be focused on living in the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Like we said earlier, that means living forever underneath the rule and authority of God Almighty. And so if you like, Jesus can be your king today. You mm-hmm. don't have to wait until your until mm-hmm. your first death for that to happen, mm-hmm. right? The, uh, you can make Jesus the Lord and King today, and you can start living in service to Him now and doing and obeying all that He has commanded you, which is mm-hmm. a part of the Great Commission. And, and Jesus says that's how love of Him is is characterized. Like those who yeah. love me obey my commands. 
you can start following Jesus and doing all the things he says now, and thereby you can be a representative, an ambassador of God and the gospel in this world. Mm -hmm. And so the more heavenly minded you are, the more closely you're following Jesus, the more obedient you're being to him, and therefore the more your conduct looks like Jesus. And it's like having... Uh, it's like having a more concentrated or a more significant presence of Jesus in the world. You remember when Jesus left the disciples, he said, listen, I'm taking off and it's better that I'm going than that I'm staying. And why? Because he had the scheme to pour out the Holy Spirit and to create a church. And that's going to be how God chose to touch the world. Mm-hmm. Well, the more like Christ we are, the better we are at um, the better we are at getting God's work done in the world to show people what the next life is going to look like. So, so that's, I mean, that's what's built into that, the idea mm-hmm. that th- that person, the person who's so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. The idea that they don't exist is just to say the more heavenly minded you are means the more submissive you are to God, yeah. the more you are committed to carrying out um, his good and perfect will, the more closely your life example exemplifies that of, uh, of Jesus Christ mm. That means that mm-hmm. that makes you more earthly good, not not yeah. less earthly good. Mm-hmm. Well, it's helpful to frame it that way because it's as if like it, it uh, crushes and does away with this like false dichotomy. As mm-hmm. if working to restore this world um, impacts social change mm-hmm. and serving Jesus to go to heaven when I die, right? Because I get to go to heaven with when I die. Um, are for some reason opposed to each other. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a false dichotomy, right. and that's not really the picture we see in Scripture. Well, we, have to rec- yeah. we have to recognize we are not going to redeem this world, right? Jesus right. did that, and in fact, this world is not going to be redeemed. God's going to make a new one mm-hmm. where he where he rules and reigns with his children forever. Mm-hmm. So we can be hopeful and expectant that that world is coming. Yeah. That doesn't mean that we are going to fix this one, but that means that we can at least... Um, we can provide the flavor of the world to come. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Because in the midst of it, uh, there are real people with real souls who need to know Jesus yes. being impacted by the brokenness of this world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this world is broken. God has to do away with it and will restore a new heaven and a new earth. Mm. Um, but along the way, because of the brokenness of the world, there are real people along mm-hmm. the way and we need to care about those things. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, I have, so... I have the thing that's going to change the subject, and yeah, you guys are going to have fun with it. Um, but before that, um, I just wanted to say the kind of like connecting to our discussion on um, pain and suffering in our lives, and like what the purpose of that could possibly be. Right. Um, I think like these. So, like we said, um, a, a church should be a community that identifies with or is care is characterized by deliverance, peace, justice, healing. Like, Mm. um, I think all these different areas of social need and, um, where the world is like uh, trying to address social need. need, Yeah. Social need Mm and, um, need of individuals. Like those are Christian opportunities to, um, like that pain and suffering discussion we had, um, to meet them in their need and their pain and their suffering um, and to be the uniquely Christian like light that we ought to be. And just like in their, um, if someone like, if someone is convicted in their hearts enough to like uh, be a doctor, um, then just obviously that's a place where I can actually get to that person's heart mm-hmm. um, and speak to them on a level and in a realm of things that they care about. Um, so I don't, that was just a random thought. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, can what I was, throw the one? Yeah. I was going to ask, what's okay. the thing you 
not change the subject yeah. with, but uh, what do you want to throw into this uh, okay. on the table? So um, beyond just like us, um, suppose like we ought to be um, bringing the kingdom to earth now um, with social change and um, addressing all the need in the world that we recognize. Um, beyond that, another aspect that the book touched on was um, that our moral our morality, like how we live our lives, the good that we do versus the bad that we do, how that contributes to our um, kingdom ethic. Um, So this was something I wrote. I'm just going to read it really quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, The church's moral task is not merely merely to develop right beliefs about issues and then to make sure that every member holds them. It is rather to be useful servants of the reign of God, to discern and put into practice a total way of life in tune with God's kingdom. Um, And when we look at a society like the one we've been talking about, our society, which is saturated with conflicting religious claims, um, like we, it's just obvious that in this context, um, a faithful display of Christian moral norms is required. Um, Mm -hmm. Christians have to live out, um, or how did I say it here? In our physical lives and conversations, Christians have the opportunity opportunity to draw out the character of God for non Christians to witness. To make it clear, oh gosh, no, it's okay. good. Um, <laughs> I like that. I have an example, which is um, the hypocritical Christian that mm. we all hear about. Like Christians are hypocritical. The people in churches are the most hypocritical people of all. Like they're the worst sinners. They're the worst people in the world. Like. Why would I go to a church if yeah. these people do bad when they're outside of church? Mm-hmm. Um, so the hypocritical Christian versus someone like my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, so my dad um, recently became a Christian mm-hmm. uh, in the last year. Yeah, um, got baptized and Amen. lives his life for Jesus now. Um, but he's been attending the orchard for a while, um, and people at the church. I was talking to him and have told him that they thought that he was a Christian before he was baptized. Like mm-hmm. they saw him get baptized and they were like, you weren't, you weren't on our team already. Like mm-hmm. what? <laughs> um, we thought you were like one of the best of us. Um, and the reason is because like I've talked about, I think before, um, my dad like has always lived a good moral life. Um, and he's been like a good and wise man for all his life. And to many eyes, um, can appear like a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, so just the, basically the new mm-hmm. kind of topic I wanted to dive into was how our morality um, actually contributes to our witness and mm-hmm. just the king, bringing the kingdom into this world, like how us living obedient lives and submissive lives to God and his uh, moral law, like, mm-hmm where that fits in the picture. Mm. Right. I, all right, I guess I'll go first. Yeah, okay. you. <laughs> well, so, because um, I think it's interesting, right, that mm-hmm. um, especially in the culture we come from and even in, especially here in Norway as well, that there's a really high um, uh, 
sense of morality. So like people like treat trust each other and are trustworthy mm-hmm. um, and uh, r- respect each other and are humble. Like just naturally, it's just naturally baked into the Norwegian uh, cake that is called culture. Um, <laughs> but that they are humble. <laughs> wow. I had to make it. I had to. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, you love, had to meet your word count. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that really felt like. <laughs> um, and so the point is, is that there are lots of people who don't know Jesus that do live um, from our culture standards and even from a biblical perspective, generally pretty moral lives. Mm, so yeah. th- that your dad, before he was a Christian, never stole from his neighbor or killed someone's dog or, you know, did anything like super immoral, yeah. right? I, gosh, were, I hope that's true. Things we're all really tempted to do. <laughs> <I know. Yeah. laughs> your dad was never Hitler. Yeah, right. Exactly. We're kill and dog. so I, um, <laughs> it's actually really interesting you bring this up because I was actually speak, uh, talking to a gentleman evangelizing, actually, uh, uh, someone, uh, all three of us know, I'm not going to name names, but, uh, you know who you are and I love you. You're awesome. Um, uh, he invited me actually to his house uh, mm. to talk about Jesus, and I was like, "Am I dreaming right now? Like, are you? You want me to come over? To, you're gonna feed me and have me talk to you about Jesus? Like, this is amazing." But seriously, he was like, "Let's talk about God stuff. I've got lots of questions." And I'm mm. like, I, "This is amazing. This is like I'm never leaving Norway." Uh, but uh, so we're sitting in uh, his apartment, and he's. Uh, just pouring out to me. He's like, Hey, I'm not that bad of a guy. Like I try to resist mm-hmm. sin. I try to be a moral person. The example he kept using was I'm not Putin. Like right. I'm not as bad as Vladimir Putin, who's a mm. war criminal. And, um, so I would just, uh, he, he kept asking me, he's like, so if I, um, believe in Jesus, if I put faith in Jesus, will I become a better person? Mm-hmm. And the answer ultimately is yes, mm-hmm. because I think we need to realign, what our conception of like living properly moral is. Right. Mm-hmm. And so some of the things, I mean, you go back to your dad as an example, especially since he's now a believer. Um, some of the things your dad wasn't doing before was worship God as all be as the greatest of all beings, right. mm-hmm. uh, living, uh, actually focused actively on evangelism, which now he's commanded to do by his God. Mm-hmm. And so Christians aren't called to really to live moral lives, like for our own sake, mm-hmm. but, now that we're in Christ, now that we're a part of a community and part of a church, we are called to be moral, even yeah. if we already were, were before. But now center our focus on morality around what pleases God. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what pleases God is not just not killing the dog or not stealing from your neighbor. Mm-hmm. It's evangelizing and restoring the community. So the living witness is not just this like, I've been critical of like social ev- gospel kind of stuff. Yeah, It's not just living a moral life life privately and individually in mm. you know at work and at the gym or whatever and hoping people will notice it is actively going out and mm. actively evangelizing and preaching and mm. um loving on people and being like man I'm when your coworker tells you my dad's been in this position before that's why it's just the first thing in my mind when your coworker tells you man my wife is leaving me and I'm getting divorced and it breaks my heart my dad now as a Christian and us as Christians can approach that situation, not just with um, the good solution of 
comforting them and saying it's going to be okay and you just be humble and uh, about it and you're going to get through this. That's a good solution. Mm-hmm. The better and ultimate solution is we can bring the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. We can bring, there's a, God makes all things new. God can actually teach us how to go through a situation like mm-hmm. that. And boom, even if that person's not a Christian, you can bring the gospel to that table. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's a, uh, my thoughts about, I hope that all made sense. Yeah. I want to get yeah. you in on that question too. Yeah. But yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. So I think I have, I have maybe two things to say about that. Mm-hmm. So I think your, your point, Jacob is exactly right. So when Bailey says, uh, people are like, Whoa, uh, Greg, you weren't a Christian before. Like we thought, we thought you were in, well, that, how was it that we're observing and, and measuring virtue? Yeah. And I think that, uh, this is not to take anything away from your dad. He's a he's a good man. Right. But the way we measure virtue is to leave out some of what virtue requires. Mm-hmm. So when you say, and I've heard I've heard people say that someone said this to me a couple of weeks ago, uh, something like some of the some non-believers I know are better Christians than Christians. And I go, no, that's false. Mm-hmm. Because the point of being a Christian is never about how. Yeah, it's never about. It, it's not about your conduct. Mm-hmm. I mean. Being a disciple of Jesus absolutely should transform your life and the way that you treat people. Mm. But when somebody says that, what that's shorthand for saying, I know people who are giant jerks who are Christians, and I know other people who are not Christians who are really nice people. Right. Mm-hmm. And you go, the difference between Christians and non-Christians is not how nice they are. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's <laughs> whether or not they're part of the family of God right. and members of God's kingdom. <clears throat> It was never about your, I mean, it was only about your conduct until you sinned, (laughs) right? And that happens uh, real early. So it was about your conduct until you sinned. Then after that, it's never been about your conduct. Mm -hmm. But the the regeneration that's brought by the Holy Spirit should improve your conduct because now you're living a life that is in submission to God. So anyways, the reason that I say any of that is we leave out all of the God-fearing stuff and all of the God-following stuff right. that is demanded mm-hmm. by by actual virtue. So uh, we'll quote it again. When it's Micah 6, 8, it's, let me tell you what God, I've told you what I demand of you, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. Mm-hmm. But we leave that third component out and we judge people's virtue. We say, look at that guy. He does justice. Yeah. And look at that guy. He loves mercy. And you can fill those categories in with all kinds of good things that people do. Say, okay, does he walk humbly with God? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. So whatever Mm -hmm. your dad was doing before he was a Christian, however upright his life looked, he was not making disciples and he was not worshiping God. Yeah, God was not at the center of his focus. As the the only... The only thing in existence that's worthy of... was worthy of worship. And it's almost like the the guy who, who... creates a cure for cancer, but then doesn't give it to anybody. Mm. Right. And you're like, this guy discovered a cure for cancer. Right. And then mm. like, end of story. Like he's the best dude ever. Why? Because he's, because he developed a cure for cancer. Anyways, you're like, whoa, whoa, what <laughs> yeah. about anyways? Did he give it to anybody? You're like, I don't, I never even thought about that. Or <laughs> if, he ca- if he came up with the cure to cancer, just for that in itself to yeah. be the guy who found right. the cure, not to give it to people like, wow, I, why did I find the cure for cancer? Well, so I could be the guy to yeah. find the cure for cancer. Or, that is not a morally sufficient right. virtue. Or, <laughs> or if he never even yeah. thought about it, right? So you, right. you could tell a story about this guy's life. That's really, really good. And up to him developing the cure for cancer. But then you realize, wait a minute, he's not, he's not distributing that thing. Mm. So, so the, the point of what does it mean to be a virtuous Christian? What does it live to, mean to live with a kingdom of ethic? What does it mean to actually live life the way that it is, that we're designed to live, the way that God intended for us to live? It's not just like, 
it's not just the moral story, the lowest moral story, which is you're not doing anything that hurts anybody else. As long as you're mm-hmm. not hurting anybody else, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, 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 that does not fulfill your moral obligations. It's not even the next level where you are not hurting anybody else and you're contributing positively to the lives of other people. You're, you're kind and you're charitable and you're good and you're, and you're patient and blah, blah, blah. But it includes, um, the, it includes the aspect of serving God and mm-hmm. caring for people's caring for people eternally. So feeding people in this life is a very good thing, but it's not as good a thing. Yeah. Like if somebody is fed in this life and dies separated from God, I'm glad they've had a more comfortable this life. Right. But that's not the that's not my primary concern any more than it would be if I had if I had in my in my briefcase the cure for cancer, but I didn't give it to you and instead just made you really good meals until you died of cancer. Mm-hmm. Right. So so what was Greg not doing? Greg, I'm I'm happy and sad that you're this example because you're an example of a good and virtuous <laughs> man. But we'll use pre regenerate Greg. Yeah. What is it that what is it that his life missed? What is it that his life didn't include in terms of virtuous living? It was that mm-hmm. it was making disciples, and it was it was um, it was serving people's eternal natures mm. rather than just their tem- their their temporary and temporal yeah. nature. Does that make? Yeah, yeah I'll add uh, yeah. one more thing uh, to this. There's a common topic uh, talking point from uh, what we've talked about on the show, the new atheist kind of movement. This mm. comes from our pal Hitchens. Oh, gosh. Uh, Christopher Hitchens, yeah. Mm. So he has like the one question that theists can't answer is, mm. what is a moral thing that a theist can do that mm. an atheist cannot do? Yeah. That's my best terrible Christopher Hitchens. <laughs> that was your best? My best terrible oh, one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Then in that and, case... Um, a plus. So what's a moral thing that a, a, a Christian can do that an atheist cannot do? Mm. I think Mike Winger yeah, put it just about the best, mm-hmm. and it, I've copied it ever since. Mm-hmm. The answer is two words. Love God. Mm-hmm. The, the most moral thing a person can do is to recognize and worship God as the greatest of all mm-hmm. beings yep. and the one who is ultimately worthy of all worship and love. Mm-hmm. An atheist cannot do that. Yeah. An unbeliever who doesn't believe in God, who is not re- regenerated and born again, cannot do that. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, that that comes from one of my favorite sermons uh, that you heard me preach, um, which is that that's where it begins. You are born again. And if you have not been born again, you cannot live in right relationship yeah. with mm-hmm. God. And we just have, you'll forgive me for going and for taking a sight, a slight, for chasing a rabbit. Detour, yeah. But it's not really, I think, I think it's actually kind of central. And that is we live in a world, especially in, in the West, where we have a totally deficient view of what it means to, um, to live and thrive. Mm-hmm. We have a totally deficient view of what it means to, um, we'll say that, we'll say thrive, because I forgot the other word that I was going <laughs> yeah. to say. But anyways, to live a, a completely full life the, the way that you ought to. And... Like I said, at, at bottom, it's just kind of like, well, don't hurt anybody else. Mm-hmm. So how do we, how do we, a flourishing life? There we go. There you go. How do I flourish? And flourishing starts with do unto others. And that's very good. You ought to do as you would be done by. Um, but that question that Chris Hitchens asks, like Chris Hitchens asks, it just like, it totally, it gives away the show, right? It, it does. It totally gives away the show. <laughs> yeah. Which is, what's a moral thing that you can do that I can't do? Right. And you go, oh, you think morality is confined just in, like that a flir- so that just a flourishing life mm-hmm. is limited to my conduct with respect to other people. 
or and even that is really limited. We think about my conduct with respect to other people. Um, let me say it this way. So how how do most of our most of our co-livers <laughs> our our community our or the, the non-livers co-inhabitants of the world like how is it what's the what's the cultural conception of morality it's something like you mm. doing all the you that you can do mm-hmm. and living out all of your desires without hurting right. or or i mean if you want to extend it without hurting or like inconveniencing or bothering somebody else that's the best thing you can do is to live out all of your dreams without hurting or harming anybody else. And that's just like slightly better than being pure id, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? It's just, well, that's pure idolatry. Yeah. Well, that's it's, pure. Like, it's hedonism. But yeah. then, but then you take, but then you, you dull the edge of hedonism by saying, but also you should like, you shouldn't hurt other, you shouldn't hurt other people. Sure. Even if yeah. you really mm-hmm. want to. Right. Or, or then you can dull a little bit more by saying, but actually you should be, you should be good to other people too. And that's good. And I just go, man, that's such a, that's such a shadow of what a flourishing life includes because a flir- because you can have a relationship with the maker of reality and you can have a guaranteed place in his family forever and and live in again in in right relationship it's like describing um i don't know take the the most complex like fast amazing uh uh, car that you can imagine mm-hmm. and somebody says okay we're gonna like we're gonna design the perfect car what's it like and you're like well it doesn't break down that often you're like what that's not that doesn't that's just that's just part of what this amazing mm-hmm. machine like what does mm-hmm. the perfect machine do if it's perfectly designed and doing everything that it ought to do like what does it look like well it avoids these certain these certain deficiencies that doesn't explain what a what a f- full and flourishing and thriving life is mm-hmm. just fa- like failing to um, be deficient in certain areas it talks also about what is it what does it do rightly and it goes real fast right <laughs> like, mm. like i know it's a stupid metaphor but it's like it goes real fast and we leave out that goes real fast describe the perfect automobile well it doesn't break down and, and here are all the things it doesn't do and but like what about the goes real fast and like mm. it's where you need to go part. Mm. and we miss that mm. when we when we discuss human flourishing and to me that's why mike uh mike winger's example uh, his answer to chris hitchens's question is so good and thank you jacob for bringing it up mm. is is that he's like the most important thing we can do with our lives, like the entirety of the law is to love God with all our heart, heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? It's, it's to do justice. It's to love mercy. (laughs) And it's to walk humbly with God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we leave that thing out. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's like to, it's to do this Mm, in life, right? It's to, to do this and just pretend that this, that what's outside of my field of view uh, to pretend that that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So we miss out. We, that's, and so I'm going to say one last thing and then yeah, I'll, right. I'll hand it back, Jacob. Thank you for, for letting me chase this bunny. <laughs> but when you've, you've stopped asking the question, do you want to go to heaven? Mm-hmm. Right. And we've talked yeah. about, uh, no, no, no. Do you want to be with God? Right. And I, I think that that gets, that question gets at exactly what I'm talking about. Cause go to heaven. That's inside, that's mm-hmm. inside my strike zone. But we think of going to heaven in terms of lacking deficiencies. Yeah, I want to go to a place where there's no this and there's no hurting and there's no that. Okay, do you want to be with God? That's like the positive attribute of a flourishing life. People don't want that so much. Um, but that's what a flourishing life and a life well lived, which is what ethics has to do with, right? The question of ethics. So philosophy has just a handful of basic questions. And the question of ethics is what is a good life? Mm-hmm. What is a life well lived? Yeah. Can I just did that sufficiently? Yeah, yeah, please, please. Um, So I like 
love your guys' two answers. Oh gosh, that was so good. Um, but your emphasis on um, uh, walk humbly with your God mm. and Jake, love God. Mm. Um, so like Cam, one of the, I think, things I respect and love most about you as a pastor and like especially since we've been out here on the mission is um, you've always made it clear that our highest priority out on this mission is um, our own personal holiness, mm. a.k.a. our, well, what you mean with that is walk humbly with your God, mm-hmm. um, love God. Mm-hmm. And um, we know like being a hypocritical Christian, but I mean, that may as well just be the definition of a right. Christian. <laughs> um, yeah. Everyone but Christ on the Christian list is a hypocritical Christian. So, yeah. um like we know how much that affects the world's view of Christians and Christianity and Jesus himself um, from news headlines and everything like that. Like mm-hmm. whenever a pastor fails publicly, right. then there are tons of voices that pop up in the world that say like, see, this is why the Christians are wrong or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Christians look at that and we're like, no, like mm-hmm. that's why we're right. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. We admit that there's a problem um, with every single one of us. Yeah. Um, so, but just the central thing for um, a every single person in the world, like, but especially for Christians who want to, with their morals, with their way they live their lives, um, how that can be a witness to non-Christians. Mm. Um, like, the most central piece of that is simply walk humbly with your God. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and just, like, to give you some public <laughs> affirmation, like... Um, Pastor Cam truly does that with us. That's his first priority. Like he'll tell us a thousand things of a like a scary list of things we have to do while we're out here. Like, hey, they're going to kick us out of the country if you guys don't send this form in tomorrow, and things like that. Yeah. But um, I know no matter what, like if I check you afterwards and say like, okay, but what's like the most most important thing? Mm. Then his answer at the end of the day is always walk humbly with your God, mm. Um, mm. and just for every Christian. Um, if we want our moral lives to w- be a witness to Christ and who he is to onlookers, um, it's not perfection. Christ doesn't ask that of us. Pastor Cam doesn't ask that of mm. us. Um, it's to walk humbly with your God. Mm. And like, just like David, I, we all look at David and think that he's this awesome guy and like, we should all strive to be like him. Mm-hmm. David was a total piece of crap. Oh, he was a wreck. He yeah. was a mess. But he was very, very good at yeah. walking humbly with his God right. and coming back to that same thing right. every mm-hmm. single time. Right. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that example because um, David, he just such he's such mm-hmm. an excellent example of being a hypocrite who mm-hmm. blows it and knows yeah. better and does the wrong thing, but still walks still walks humbly with God, mm-hmm. even to the extent of writing songs to be performed in public about mm-hmm. the depths of his own mm-hmm. of his own wickedness. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's because that's where his heart was, right? And I think that that's something that we all ought to, um, we all ought to strive to be like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that story of David's not one they teach you in children's mm. Bible study. <laughs> no. My dad did because he was legit. Uh, <laughs> 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 we learn about it's, David and Goliath, okay, and the story is that God will give you the power to be David. We're not David in that story, right? Yeah. Um, Can we just? Can we just chase that rabbit since we're chasing Go, rabbits? Do it, do it. Get it. <laughs> Please, can I? Yes. So here's the thing. So, Wait, no, uh, stop. Okay, go. So here's the thing. <laughs> 
we like to do the, we like to do these things with Bible stories. And any of you who have seen Matt Chandler's sermon know mm-hmm. where I'm going with this. But I'm going to go there anyways because mm-hmm. it's a point that has to be made, and it changes the way you think about ministry all across the board. Yeah, in social action, evangelism, it changes the way you preach if you're a pastor or a teacher, and mm-hmm. and do that often. So we like to read the Bible a lot as if the heroes of the Bible yeah. are actually us. That's always us. <laughs> so Daniel in the lion's den, the lion's den is my debt or mm-hmm. it's my, uh, I don't know, pick, a, pick yeah. a struggle. And whatever the lions are, I'm definitely Daniel. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or we like to think of David and Goliath or like, no, we're going to knock down every Goliath that's mm-hmm. in our way and I'm David and God's going to give me the power to sling my stones and knock down every Goliath in my way. Just right. you, if you've been in church for five minutes, mm. You've heard it. (laughs) And so here's the problem. When you think about the story of the Bible and what God is getting at in his command in Micah 6, 8, in Jesus's ministry and reaching out to the oppressed is that you, you, I'll point it. I'm not on any camera. I'm not on all the cameras. The first you, rule is don't look at the camera. That's right. Sorry. You, <laughs> me, these guys are not the hero of the story. Right. You are not David. Mm-hmm. I am not David. You, you are not Daniel. You are not Joshua at mm-hmm. Jericho. You are not Moses splitting the sea. You are not the hero of the Bible or the hero of God's story. God is the hero mm-hmm. of God's story. Mm-hmm. And that's why our focus when we read the Bible, do ministry, think about what it means to live a moral life and yeah. restore the community is to focus that, uh, is to have our focus on what God's focus is on, yeah. that God is for God, mm. that God, yes, cares about us. Yes, cares about loving us and um, and forgiving our sins and restoring us. But God ultimately cares about his glory, that God, God David represents Jesus. Mm. Daniel is Jesus. Jesus is in the lion's den who had to rely on God in his earthly ministry. Mm -hmm. Jesus is David who saves us, the cowardly Israelites in the corner from sin and death, which is Goliath. So Goliath is sin and death. Jesus is David. And we are the Israelites who receive salvation. If we can make that the focus of our ministry, that on God, on pursuing what glorifies uh, God, what Mm -hmm. honors God, uh, so many problems in preaching and in mm. church and in evangelism and community could be so avoided. Well, even it, in, a, in a practical sense, yeah. we end up missing the richness of scripture <laughs> and knowing how to apply it to our own life and existence. Yeah. When we always, we, when we take, even when there isn't, even when there is no hero in the story, we make ourselves the hero. So right. one of the things we, <laughs> we spent time really struggling with on our way to Norway was, um, it was a story of the Exodus, right? So, mm-hmm. so the people of God, they're captive in Egypt and they see all of these cr- incredible acts of God that only God can do. Mm-hmm. The kind of stuff that terrifies and shocks and amazes, amazes you. And it's like two weeks later, like just send us back to Egypt. We'd rather die than hang out with you and whatever. And we're like <laughs> you faithless, you faithless Turds. Israelites. Mm-hmm. Church. Um, <laughs> Or when they when they're standing at the ocean, right, and and waiting to cross, and it's like we, I admit it of myself, I absolutely yeah. did this basically my whole life. Is we look at that story and you're like, you faithless Israelites, of course God is going to save you, right? They've got the imperial mm-hmm. Egyptian army, maybe the most powerful in the world, coming to kill all of them, and they can see them, like they're right over there, and they're gonna, they're coming <laughs> yeah. to kill all of us, mm-hmm. and we go, you faithless 
Turds. Turd, yeah, turd. You be, be lizard. And, and I think of myself, I wouldn't have been like that. I right. would have known God would. I've read the end of the story. If yeah. I was if I was there, I'm one of the faithless turds looking at the ocean going, Great, thanks, Moses. Mm-hmm. Like you don't you don't speak for God. You don't even know God. Yeah, we saw him do some stuff, but now you've just uh you've just t- you've just brought us to our death because it's not even in my imagination that God could open the ocean up so that I can walk across it. Right? That's not even mm, that's yeah. not even in my conceptual framework. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do that. Like even in stories where there is no hero, we make the other guys the villain and we think, and, and, we, look, and we look down on them and we still take the place of like the hypothetical hero. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate that point, Jacob, like all of scripture is about God. Um, mm-hmm. it just all, it all is. And it's, it's for you. Yeah. It's not, it's for us. Uh, it's not about us necessarily. Mm-hmm. And we lose out not just on like the focus of existence, which is God almighty. Like we, we, yeah. we, we end up looking at the mirror instead of to God. Mm. But secondly, even as we, even as we search the scriptures, just, I mean, even if we are trying to look heaven toward heavenward mm-hmm. and, and learn to be more like Jesus, like we miss out as we, as we um, consider the scriptures and want to apply them to our lives. If we don't walk humbly and we put our place, like we, we count ourselves among the heroes of the faith. Right, so it's time for Abraham to say, sacrifice his son, and you're like, "Yep, me too. I totally would have." Right. Like, no, no, I would have been no. Isaac. Like, yeah, no, you wouldn't have. Yeah. Or you imagine the you imagine um, the army who's standing against the Philistines and Goliath, and mm-hmm. he's mocking them for it was a week or something. Yeah, and and you go, no, 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 no. What you have are like the most, the strongest, most powerful, most elite guys in the mm-hmm. military terrified of this guy right. and he's and he's smoking them and we go no no i would have been like david like no like no you would not have been like david yeah you would have been you would have you would have been like one of these you're not one of the heroes of the faith and that maybe you might be maybe there are people who are yeah. heroes of the faith and if god tapped you on your shoulder you you would be or would do the thing that david would do but that's just not a good assumption to make of yourself yeah that you are a better and more spiritual and more closely connected to god like your your um your very character and nature is better mm-hmm. than than mm-hmm. anyone else's would have been because we at least we at least miss out on whatever God's trying to do in us because we're not walking humbly. Maybe we're doing mm-hmm. doing well with the other stuff, but I, I just grow more and more convinced that the center of the Christian life uh, and the center of what it takes to please God is humility. Mm-hmm. Like you can't please God without faith, and you cannot have faith if you're not humble. Because you'll look right. to yourself, or you'll look like our, like we talked about in a previous discussion, you'll look to human institutions mm-hmm. to fix the world, yeah. and you put your you put your faith and your trust in yourself, and you hope other people. Here's what ha- so we'll bring it all the way back around to <laughs> to uh, to part one is we're getting on social media and we're talking about thoughts and prayers, or we're condemning people who are only offering thoughts and prayers, you know, given to us 280 characters at a time, mm-hmm. and what we're doing is is we're giving voice to our political perspectives. And what I'm what I hope is what I want is I want everyone else to have the same political perspective as me because then the world would be good. Hmm. And that's to cast yourself as the hero of the story. And by the way, when people when people sit on that throne, if everyone just was by nature like I am, mm-hmm. the world would be a good place. Mm-hmm. That goes real, real bad, mm-hmm. right? That goes real bad uh, for humanity. So if your conception of what is going to repair the world is everybody have all of the same beliefs and opinion as you do, then I think you've, that's a swing and a miss. Mm-hmm. What's going to repair the world, by the way, this, like we said, this world is not going to be repaired. It's going to be remade. But what is the character of the remade world? Everybody has God's opinion 
which is mm-hmm. good, perfect, loving, and just. Yeah. And to me, that um, thank you so much for that because mm-hmm. I think that really that that focus, that recentering, on what I was just yelling about, and what you uh, <laughs> oh. calmly and more uh, <laughs> oh, I was getting worked up. <laughs> yeah, uh, explained very gently. Um, is that really is the answer? To all the why questions, really, for mm-hmm. me, it was the why did God, why does God do this? Why does God allow this? Why did God actualize this world? Mm-hmm. So, you know, what, what, you know, why should we care about social issues? Why did Jesus die on the cross? You know, the answer to all those questions is that God pursues his own glory, is mm-hmm. that God is for God. Mm-hmm. What's interesting about the David and Goliath story. I don't have it pulled up, uh, unfortunately. I probably should, but um, that's right. I've memorized it. That's, thank you. So mm-hmm. you could probably it, answer this for me. Yeah. Um, what David? David's threat to Goliath, and this is another really great way of how I am so not David, mm-hmm. um, and why it all comes down to humility. Mm-hmm. Um, David's threat to Goliath, and uh, he says, "I, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. Mm-hmm. For what reason? Mm-hmm. For what purpose? So that." All the world will know that mm-hmm. there is a God in mm-hmm. Israel. Right. It's, it's, so David wasn't even seeking his own glory. Right. David didn't stand, David wasn't there at the line and be, mm-hmm. be like, you faithless turds. turds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was not ready. You faithless turds. Like, you just needed me to show up mm-hmm. and I would take care of this. You're no, right. David showed up and was like, you guys know that God's on our team, right? right. <laughs> like God, go, Hey, Hey, they're making fun of us. You're I'll right. show them. <laughs> like, He's like, you guys, whoa. Who, yeah. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine yeah. who uh, defies, you can say uncircumcised, uncircumcised just, Philistine yeah. who defies the armies of the living God is his mm-hmm. exact words. Uh, he's like, you know, so David is cons- is concerned about God's glory mm-hmm. in mind. Mm-hmm. If it all comes down to humility, what is humility? Humility is thinking rightly of yourself. Right. You can't think rightly of yourself unless you acknowledge that God is God. God is for God and mm-hmm. pursues his own glory. Yeah. And that when we participate in that, participate in bringing glory to God and worshiping him, that's the best thing for us. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the best thing for us is to be humble. And God's glory is characterized by his perfect love by his perfect justice and his perfect truth. Right. So why would we not why would we not pursue those things? Mm-hmm. Or would, why would we want to pursue them less than perfectly? Yeah. Yeah. I I want to say something that I know is going to amp you up all over again. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have 5 yeah, minutes. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wind us up as well by uh, um, And it's even better cuz I have a I need a verse from you from your brain. Um, okay, so like you were saying uh, that I hope it's Jesus wept. Um, I've got that one. Just as you were talking about, like, we're not the heroes of the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like, don't read the Bible that way. Um, I just couldn't stop thinking, like, there are no heroes of the faith. Like, mm. the that's in human terms. Like, in our terms, we have heroes of the faith because mm-hmm. we're dumb and we like to make trophies yeah. and gods and calves and everything. Yeah. Right. Um, so, in our terms, there are heroes of the faith. But, like, the Bible puts forth only one hero mm-hmm. consistently who is God, which is, like, what we're saying, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's the uh, verse that says um, uh, we're enemies of God? Mm. Oh, that's in Romans 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romans 1 uh, talks about how God has revealed himself to all mankind mm-hmm. and that everyone is without excuse for their rebellion and their sin against mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. And Paul goes through a laundry list of like how mankind does that. Yeah. So we do it through sexual sin. We do it through hating each other. We do it through inventing ways of doing evil mm-hmm. and it says we are enemies of God. And let mm-hmm. me pull up actually, cause I'm yeah. going to quote it wrong. If I just try and do it from memory, let me bring up Romans five because 
it actually says something like that in the text. Stand by, stand by. Yeah, keep making that sound. I promise it's here. That can soothe soothe people as we wait. Well, anyways, so got it. It just popped out. So since we have now been justified by His blood, actually, let me back up. I'm so sorry about this, but Bailey threw me on the spot. Okay, Romans chapter five. Uh, starting in verse eight, if you know the Roman road, you know this verse, um, but keep reading because it gets great. Mm-mm. But God demonstrates his own love for us, mm-hmm. his own love. He doesn't demonstrate how awesome we are and how we're heroes. Look at it. We're winding down and you're like, Jacob, <laughs> you have a sermon, please. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you, you asked a preacher about the Bible verse. So. <laughs> so, but God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more should Shall we be saved from the wrath of God through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How Mm. much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Talking about Jesus's resurrection. Mm -hmm. Not only in this so, but we also boast in ourselves because we're the heroes. (laughs) No, we boast in God, (laughs) in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. Thank you for asking me about this. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we You're were welcome. God's enemies. We did hate God. Romans one calls us haters of God. Uh, we were rebellious towards God. And, um, but God to demonstrate his glory and his love reached down in our rebellion and our hatred and saved us, reconciled mm-hmm. us to him. And Jesus is the hero of the story. So I'm going to bring this to a close. <laughs> To tie all of this in to everything part one of part two is about. You didn't even give us three about. points that all start with the same letter. <laughs> right. <laughs> That'll be for next time. Okay, next time. <laughs> That'll be a part three. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but so to tie all this back into what, um, what the whole point of both of these episodes is, is that when we recognize that God is the hero of the story, that Jesus is the hero of the story that redeems his enemies and focus on God at the center of everything that the Christian life does, that requires us to reach out to the margins, Mm -hmm. to the oppressed, Mm -hmm. to the poor, to reach out with them, not just with restoration for their immediate problems, but with the gospel. Mm. The answer to all of these social issues is restoration, is seeking justice, Mm. loving mercy, and then also walking humbly with God and inviting them to walk humbly with God as well. Mm. If we're focused on just social issues and just political responses and just how we can make life better and feed people, but without the gospel, Mm. uh, I tell you that probably is related to what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians 13 when he says we're just a clanging symbol. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean anything unless we actually give them the true living water that they drink from and will never thirst. If we don't give them that, they'll be thirsty again. Mm -hmm. But if we give them the living water, they will never thirst again. How's that for a sermon? So (laughs) thank you so much for watching. We appreciate you tuning in and we'll see you next time. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to Word First Radio. If you like the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. If you want to learn more about Word First and how you can support the ministry spiritually and financially, check us out at wordfirst.us. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Word First Radio, and we'll see you again next week. God bless.